Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, well, praise the Lord. If you turn in your, in your Bibles to Genesis 44... Just cover a little bit of context here, Genesis 44, and then move into Genesis 45. Genesis 44, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit that teaches us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the living word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Genesis 44, verse 18. Then Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears, and let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one. His brother is dead. He alone is left of his mother. His father loveth him. And thou saidest unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set my eyes upon him. We said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if you should leave his father, his father would die. And thou saidest unto thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, you shall see my face no more. And it came to pass when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord, and our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down. If our youngest brother be with us, then we will go down. For we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant, my father, said unto us, You know that my wife bare me two sons, and the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he has torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. And if you take this also from me, and mischief befall him, you shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now, therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me, lest peradventure I see the evil that should come on my father? Now going to verse 1, chapter 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. 
Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. <laughs> Quite a dramatic. <laughs> okay, now, in our last study, you remember, we saw Judah, he took the lead. He was the lead speaker, and he came near to Joseph. He moved out from the group, and he approached Joseph, and he said to him in verse 18 of chapter 44, Oh, my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears. That was amazing. That was an amazing scene to see Judah go instantly from being a free man in Canaan, from Canaan, and now accepting, fully accepting his new position in life, which is going to be now a slave to the governor. And so what we see in verse 18 is Judah now, he's fully accepting his position as a slave, and he seeks to be he wants to now be a loyal slave to his master. And this is a complete change. And you can see this change where Judah is calling the governor Lord seven times in this passage. Twice in verse 18, then in verse 19, verse 20, verse 22, verse 24, verse 33. He keeps on saying this, that the governor is his Lord. And then he calls himself very often here, Thy servant. He calls himself thy servant. He calls himself thy servant ten times in this passage here in Genesis 44. Twice again in verse 18, and then he says that he's his servant in verse 19, verse 21, verse 19 twice, verse 23, verse 24, verse 27, verse 30, 31, 32, 33. He's continually calling him Lord, my Lord, and himself your servant. And so when Judah approaches him also, In verse 18, he says, I pray thee. This is very humble on his part, very submissive. And when he wants to say something to him, he just says, I want to just say a word in verse 18, just a word. And in verse 18, he he acknowledges, he says, for thou art even as Joseph. So this is a totally different Judah. This is a different Judah from the past. This Judah in the past who was self-confident, he was independent. This is now a humble, submissive Judah, which you haven't seen before. And Joseph hasn't seen that before. And he sees, and he sees this. And of course, Judah is speaking for all the brothers. So the brothers are different from the way they were before. They're no longer the hateful brothers who threw him into a pit to die of thirst in the desert and then pulled him out to sell him for a couple of coins of, of silver. But now, as Joseph is seeing all this play out before him, and he's listening to Judah speak for his brothers, he just can't believe his eyes and his ears of how his brothers have changed. And, you know, and Judah is very, he's very tactful, he's very sensitive, and he really wants to engage Joseph in this conversation. So, you know, to engage someone in a conversation, it's a very good idea to pick up on something that the person has said. I mean, that's what I do in Jewish evangelism. I listen very carefully to what a lost Jewish person is saying to me, and I look for something that he said to pick up on and to start to talk. I mean, that's what the Lord did. That's what the Lord did when someone came to him and called him good master in Matthew 19, 16. Matthew 19, 16, it says, Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that's God. 
but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. So the Lord listened very carefully to what this person said, and he picked up on the word good and used it to lead this person to an understanding that the Lord Jesus was God. Now, that's what Judah has done here to engage the governor. He wants to make a plea for Benjamin, to let Benjamin go. So he listened very carefully to what the governor said, and then Judah picked up from what the governor said is his starting point in verse 19 when he said, my Lord asked his servant saying, have you a father or a brother? And then Judah explains in verse 20, we said unto my Lord, we have a father, an old man, a child of his old age, a little one, his brother's dead, and he alone is left to his mother, his father loves him. Now, Joseph is now all ears because he's done this, and he's watching carefully how Judah is describing his father. And Judah goes on and he describes his father and the family. And as this description that Judah is giving here, there's a genuine affection here. There's an affection, there's a love, as he describes his father as, he's an old man. And he describes Benjamin as, he's a child of his old age. He's a little one. And then he describes Benjamin as a suffering son, because he's saying, his brother is dead. Of course, he was talking about Joseph, but he didn't know that. <laughs> and then Benjamin is further suffering because his mother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother And then Judah describes what Benjamin means to Jacob when he said, his father loveth him. So much affection here, a lot of affection in this description. And so Joseph is seeing all this affection that Judah and the brothers have now have, and he's seeing that they are pursuing a course with one goal. Benjamin must not be abandoned. Benjamin must not be abandoned. Under no circumstances is Benjamin to be abandoned in Egypt. And nothing else seems to trouble Judah than that, than the the aspect of Benjamin being abandoned. Not even if Judah and the other brothers become slaves in Egypt, that is not a priority for them. What is a priority for them is that Benjamin should not be abandoned and that they should not see Jacob, their father, die because he lost Benjamin. So Joseph is watching all this play out in front of him very carefully as Judah shows so much care for Jacob. And then when Judah says in verse 20, his father loveth him, verse 30, his, his life, Jacob's life, is bound up in the lad's life. And then in verse 31, thy servants shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. So Joseph was so close to his father, Jacob, and how his brothers treated his fathers, his father, was how, how the brothers, he saw that as how the brothers treated him. And now for Joseph to see his brothers now treat his father with so much care, so much affection, so much love, this just melts Joseph's heart. And now Joseph is faced with a dilemma because now he's got to come, he's on this crossroads of, am I going to forgive my brothers for what they've done or not? I mean, his brothers had really, really hurt him and he had cause to hate them and not forgive them because they 
were responsible for separating him from his father for 22 years, and they caused him to be a slave in Egypt, and they just caused all of his suffering. And the question for Joseph is, am I really going to completely forgive them? Now, in the course of Judah's making these arguments, Judah has said something about his father losing Benjamin when he said in verse 22, if he should leave, in other words, Benjamin, leave his father, his father would die. That's what, that's what Judah said in verse 22. Now that's kind of a, in a sense, that's a sad statement. That's a sad statement. Why? Because it shows how Jacob was really overly attached to Benjamin. And when we see this of Jacob being overly attached to Benjamin to the point where if Benjamin, you know, didn't come back, he would die, that raises an issue of how a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ handles the death of a loved one. There are Christians who show a real faith in God, and when death comes to a loved one, as they rise above the grief, and they just say with Job, in Job 120, Job 120, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So right after Job has received the news that his children were all dead, they'd all been killed, Job, of course, was sad. But he found his way at that time to worship the Lord and to see that he didn't have any rights to keep his children because they came, because he came into the world naked with nothing and he's going to leave the world naked with nothing, which meant that Job had no rights for his children. But he worshiped the Lord and for the privilege to have his children when he did have his children. And then there are Christians whose life just collapses when they lose a child or they lose a spouse or some loved one, parent. And it doesn't matter how much a person loves another person, if they're both Christians, then they're both going to see each other in heaven again. And the Christian who's walking by faith is not going to collapse when they lose a loved one, like is being described here about Jacob. Now, okay, now, as Judah, he keeps going on, he's describing to Joseph about what Jacob said in this discussion back home about whether or not to let Benjamin go or not, go down to Egypt. And it's interesting that Judah knows every word in that conversation. I mean, of course, he was there, but it's just like what Jacob said to Judah just became engraved on Judah's heart so that he can tell the whole conversation word by word. And one of the words that Judah said that his father Jacob said was the word also, also, referring to taking Benjamin away from him in verse 29. Verse 29, and if you, if you take this also from me. So when Jacob said that word also, that reveals to Joseph that Jacob never did buy the story that Joseph was killed by a wild beast. Jacob was saying that he was afraid that if the brothers were going to take Benjamin away, that he would never see Benjamin again, just like the brothers took Joseph away and he never saw Joseph again. So the word also shows that Jacob has, um, has believed all along that the brothers killed Joseph. 
But for Joseph, what really tipped the scale for him was when Judah says in verse, 20, uh, verse 32, Genesis 44, 32, for thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, if I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant buy instead of, instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. So when Judah said that, Judah was saying that he was telling Joseph he had pers- become the personal guarantee that for the return of Benjamin, which he calls, thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father. So Judah's explaining what this means to Joseph, and he, and he explains to Joseph that what it means, and when he's explaining it, he uses this word instead, instead, when he says that in verse 33, thy, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman. He's saying that, Judah's saying that he should be taken, Judah should be taken as a slave instead of Benjamin, and Benjamin should go free. Now, when Judah says this to Joseph, Judah uses a very important Hebrew word, takat, takat. And Judah knew exactly what that word meant, takat. And Joseph, when Joseph heard that Hebrew word, takat, Joseph also knew what that word takat meant because that word takat was a very important family word. It was a very important family word. Why? Because both Joseph and Judah had been taught what takat meant for their family, and that was because of that their great-grandfather, the great-grandfather of both Judah and Joseph, had memorialized that word takat in their family. That word takat was memorialized with what Abraham did to their grandfather, Isaac, in Genesis 22.11. In Genesis 22.11, where the great sacrifice of Isaac, where it says, and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, which means God will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So Isaac was to be sacrificed as the whole burnt offering. Isaac was on that altar of wood, and he knew that the fire was near, and that wood was going to be set on fire just after he died. And Isaac was tied on that altar of wood, and the knife was raised when God called out to Abraham and said, no, Abraham, no, Abraham, don't do it. I have a substitute. I have a substitute for Isaac. It's a ram. Turn around. You'll see it. I provided the ram. So these words in Genesis 22, 13, 22, 13, Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Abraham offered him up for a burnt offering, takat, in the said, stead of his son. So without knowing it, when Judah uses this word, takat, to describe what he's willing to do for, for Benjamin there, 
Judah was communicating to Joseph a very intimate word memorialized by their great-grandfather Abraham and their grandfather Isaac. Because if there had not been a takat on Mount Moriah, then both Joseph and Judah wouldn't be there that day in Egypt. It was all because of this takat, this substitution, this instead of the ram that God provided that impressed Abraham so much that he, he names a place for that when he calls it the place that God will provide in. And God did provide this great takat on the same mountain in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who is our great takat. And he was taken and crucified, takat, instead of us, and we got to go free. So now just go back in your mind a little bit. Just go back in your mind to that day when Joseph is approaching his brothers They look at him with these eyes of fire. They strip him out of his coat. All the time he's wondering, what are you doing? What are you doing? And all they say is, we'll see what's going to happen to this dreamer in his dreams. And they then throw him into a waterless pit in the desert to die of thirst. Then they haul him out for a few pieces of silver. I mean, can you feel the terror on that day for Joseph and this sense of despair and fear from the treachery as he's being hurled into the air to land at the bottom of that pit. And as Joseph is seeing himself in Benjamin at this time now in in, in Egypt, he's, he's seeing himself in Benjamin. And as he's hearing Judah say that he will be the takat, that he will take Benjamin's punishment for stealing the cup, what Joseph is seeing was that day when he was hurled into the pit. And what Joseph is now understanding and hearing from Judah is that Judah is saying, if that was happening today, that Judah was saying that I would jump into the pit instead of you, instead of Joseph. He doesn't know it's Joseph. Instead of Joseph. So what Judah is saying in verse 33, and Joseph is hearing Judah say, is that today he'd be willing to jump into the pit to cut instead of Joseph. And so Judah was saying that he was back at that time. And if someone wanted to throw Joseph into that pit, Judah would say, no, throw me in instead. I'll be the substitute for Joseph. And Joseph is imagining all this in his mind. And he's seeing Judah at the bottom of the pit instead of him. And he can go back free to his father. And that scene of Joseph looking down into the pit and seeing Judah, who took his place, is so striking because Joseph can yell down to Judah, or Judah can yell up, whatever. The words of John 15, 13, John 15, 13, where Joseph could say to him, Judah, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Judah, you're really my friend to take my place in that pit so I can go free, which, of course, he's seeing all this as Judah is doing this for Benjamin. So when Joseph heard that, That's what broke Joseph. Joseph could not refrain himself any longer. And when Joseph heard Judah say this word, takat, that broke Joseph's composure, and he couldn't contain himself any longer. Now, keep in mind here that Joseph's overall goal with all this disguise and the pressure that he's putting on his brothers is he wants to see that his brothers have really changed. They've really repented. Joseph's goal is to see if his brothers really had a change of heart.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. You're invited to a Perm celebration Sunday, February 25th at 4.30 p.m. at the Friendship with God Fellowship Church. Purim is a day of celebration for the Jewish people commemorating Esther's victory over Haman's plot to exterminate the Jewish people. Join Tom Canner and the Friendship of God Fellowship Church as we learn about the Purim Feast while experiencing some amazing Jewish desserts. Located at the Creation Earth History Museum in Santee, California. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scantibodies Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com.